You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Bill Young. This is Becky Heptig. And this is the Earn and Invest podcast. I had dreamed about becoming an author abstractly for probably the last 40 years. In fact, if there was ever a career outside of medicine that would have foiled my childhood plans of becoming a doctor, it was writing. Yet, going into medicine seemed so easy and straightforward. The path was clear. I knew which classes to take, what medical schools to shoot for. Being a writer was much more amorphous. I found moments during my medical career to write a blog. I had a few stories and poems published in various places. Heck, I even self-published a book. But as I pulled away from medicine and started to contemplate my deeper needs, this hankering to be a writer came back. At the time, a few years away from 50, I had the half-sinking feeling that it was too late. I missed my chance. I was behind the eight ball. A few years later, and now a successfully published author, I realized that it wasn't too late at all, but it sure felt like it at the time. Maybe you're facing the same question. Is it too late to meet that goal, learn that skill, win that coveted prize? And what about money? Have you waited too long to get your financial life in order? Will you ever catch up? Bill Yount is an emergency room physician who came to the personal finance world after making all of the typical doctor mistakes. He's the creator of the Financial Literacy Project Facebook page and co-host of the Catching Up to Five podcast. Becky Heptig and her husband, Stephen, didn't handle their finances well for many years to the point of putting their marriage in jeopardy. They turned their financial lives around at the age of 50, and Becky is the co-host of the new podcast, Catching Up to Fi. Bill and Becky, welcome to Earn and Invest. Bill, let me start with you. In my introduction, I mentioned that you made all the typical doctor financial mistakes. What were those? Oh, there was a plethora of mistakes, and uh, I probably touched on every one. The first one was coming out of med school with debt, not focused on paying it off, getting the new big house, not focused on paying that off, getting new cars, and focusing on living a day-to-day, paycheck-to-paycheck lifestyle without a focus on saving in any realm. Uh, We did a little bit, but we were single-digit savers, probably. I don't know for sure. And that carried on for years. Becky, as I read in my introduction, 
this caused a lot of strife in your marriage. Was your marriage really on the rocks because of financial issues? I think it really was. Um, what happened was the stress of the finances caused me to be extremely fearful and it caused Stephen to feel like a failure. He felt like a failure as a husband, as a business owner, and as a provider for the family. And I just wanted that pain to stop, but we couldn't figure out on our own what we needed to do to fix it. Bill, where do you think these feelings come from? I mean, obviously, you had this idea of how you should spend money, maybe because you were a doctor, maybe for other reasons. Becky had this fear. Stephen felt let down that he wasn't doing what he was supposed to do. Where do you think this modeling and these bad feelings about money spring from that seem to affect so many of us? Well, in medicine, it's delayed gratification. That is a strong influencer because you live at your means for so many years and you create a bunch of debt. As a child, my family didn't talk about money. I didn't know they paid cash for cars. I didn't know really what the function of their rental was. I didn't know what savings was. And I was very fearful of taxes because my father would disappear into his office for a month at a time. He got audited and it made me afraid. Becky, talk about your own financial modeling. Do you think some of your fears and some of Stephen's feelings came from your childhoods and what your parents kind of taught you? I don't know if my fears came from that, but there really wasn't any modeling or education. They were uh, middle-class earners, a school teacher and a blue-collar worker. And they got their paychecks and paid the bills and hoped that there was something left. And there wasn't, I think for me, the biggest issue was there wasn't any modeling for saving because for so long they didn't have anything to save. We we didn't go without. I didn't want for my necessities, but there just wasn't any conversations about it. My mom was the main breadwinner and the decision maker. And I remember seeing her sitting at the dining table, paying the bills and doing the taxes. And she didn't seem overtly stressed about it, but I always knew that there was a question about, are we are we going to have enough to do this? So Becky, one of your brands is started at 50. It's a website, you blog there, et cetera. What was the turning point? Like, so you had the stress in your marriage. You were not taking care of your finances as well as you should be. Started at 50 suggests that 50 years old was this important time of your life. What do you think changed things? Why did you turn? The the really high level of stress and the amount of pain that we were experiencing was what made us turn. We had gotten out of college with some decent salaries and hadn't had a whole lot as children. So Stephen and I both started spending money and consuming and, and acquiring some things that we wanted without really any regard to the future. We even knew that our retirement was on us, that he would not work for a company. In his career field, they did not have pensions. And even knowing that, it was like, eh, we'll just think about that later. So we didn't save anything. We didn't have an emergency fund. We didn't have college savings, nothing. 
And there was a nine-year period of time when Stephen had his own business. And uh, at one point, two of his clients decided that they just didn't need to pay him. So they stopped paying. In the end, that equal to about a year's worth of salary. Hmm. And we, we still had bills. You know, The meter was still running on our end. And um, so we suddenly went from having an income to, I don't know how I'm going to buy the groceries. It was very stressful. And we turned it around because literally it got so painful. We We finally decided we have to do something that what we're doing now is not working. <laughs> And we had to do something different. And being introduced to Dave Ramsey was the first step in our turnaround. It was not the only step, but it was definitely what got us turned around. And the probably the most important thing that we came out of Dave Ramsey with was a change in our mindset about money and knowing how to save and knowing how to be a better consumer. Bill, Becky makes this important point, right? You have to get to this point of pain to such an extent that eventually you start changing your mind or hopefully you change your mindset. Bill, tell us that moment for you. You were a doctor. You are now making a higher salary. You had deferred gratification to such an extent that you were now maybe spending a little more um, willy-nilly. What was the pain point for you and how did you change your mindset? We hadn't not saved, and we didn't start from zero at 50 like Becky, which is an incredible story. So we did start from somewhere, but I turned 50. I turned 50 and realized 65, 63, whenever it was, was coming fast. We're on the precipice of being empty nesters. We realized we were responsible for ourselves. We realized we were nowhere where we needed to be. Our nest egg was probably 20 or 30% of where we ultimately needed to be, and that felt far away. It felt like a rock that was virtually impossible to push up a hill. It was overwhelming. Uh, I nearly had, you know, it affected my mental health, my emotional health, even my physical health. Uh, the paralysis was profound. Becky mentioned Dave Ramsey. How did you dig out of that hole? Like, was there an idea or a person that you kind of clung to to start pulling yourself out? I read a book by William Bernstein, The Intelligent Asset Allocator, complex book by a physician. So I resonated with that. And I said, why isn't there someone that does this for doctors? Why does this not exist? But what I didn't realize at the time was it did exist. There was Jim Dolly, the white coat investor. I dove down that rabbit hole and several other doctors' rabbit holes. I also dove down the traditional Phi community rabbit holes reading books and blogs and all the things that people generally stumble across. It was refreshing, but then I also ended up in about a year's worth of analysis paralysis. But it encouraged me to say, this is not so hard. And I took over my finances. We had been with a private bank, with a salesman, with advisors that were did not have our best interest at heart, charged us for really doing nothing. And I felt like, I'm an intelligent guy, I'm a doctor. I can do this. And we did. We started. Becky, I want to play with this idea of being too late, right? So the name of your podcast is called Catching Up to Five. This idea that you can catch up. We're not only talking about money, but we're kind of talking about life goals and dreams, all sorts of things. Is it ever too late? I mean, you started at 50. A lot of people right now are saying, 
it's too far gone. Just the way I did about writing a book. I said, well, it's, it's, I'm past my prime. This isn't possible anymore. Is it ever too late when it comes to finances? I don't really think so. And interestingly, this is a point where Bill and I don't exactly see things the same way. And that's okay. Um, My opinion is, if you start where you are, you can make tomorrow, next year, and the next decade more comfortable and less stressful. Is it ever too late? Maybe, but I, I, I tend to say no, because you might not end up where you want to be, but you can certainly make it look better than it does now. I want to push Bill in a moment about this disagreement. But before I do, Becky, tell us where you started. I mean, Bill made a reference to the fact that you kind of started at zero at the age of 50. Is that kind of where you were? That is where we were. We were net worth zero at 50. When my husband closed his business, he had some, we had a little bit of credit card debt and he had some business debt. And one of the things that helped us to to move into a more stable place was he took a W-2 job. So we had a stable income at that point. And we we paid off our consumer debt and our business debt as quickly as we could. So about age 50 was when we were net worth zero. And we had gone from feeling like he would possibly never be able to retire. There was a point where I thought, we can't get out from under this ever. When his business went under, we didn't have any kind of safety net, no emergency fund. We hadn't saved for the kids' college. We hadn't saved for anything. And at 50 years old, our children were coming into junior high and high school. They weren't that far from starting college. And I literally thought we might be in this hole for the rest of our lives. We might not ever be able to get ourselves out. And he is going to have to work forever, like maybe not ever retire. And we moved along the spectrum from that feeling to, oh, maybe he can retire at at some point. And we kept moving along until we finally got ourselves in a position where he was able to retire at age 63, which is not necessarily early, but for us, that felt really early. It it felt wonderful because of where we thought we were headed. So Bill, let's talk about this idea. Like Becky felt like when she realized at the age of 50 that they were at a zero net worth, kids were going to be heading to college at some point, their income prospects weren't as good. They thought it was impossible, but over the years, they realized that it wasn't impossible and they could incrementally improve their situation to the point where Stephen could retire at 63. Bill, tell me your opinion on this whole question of whether it ever is too late or not, because I think a lot of people use that as an excuse not to try. It's never too late to take control of your finances. I agree with Becky on that point. You can improve your life immeasurably by just getting your head wrapped around money, changing your mindset. For us, though, we had to rapidly increase the gap. We had to downsize, and we have a high-income shovel to fix the problem, which is truly an advantage, and I have to capitulate to that. But I do think if we hadn't started at 50, really aggressively increasing the gap, 
we never would have gotten to retirement by a standard retirement age. I do think that we would have been too late because the problem is there's a crossover point between your ability to pay for your lifestyle with your nest egg and where your lifestyle is presently. And we still, we're, we're getting there rapidly, but we're not there yet. Uh, we hope to be there at 63 as well. It may be 65. There are a lot of factors. And the crossover point for me too is how do you deal with professional burnout at the same time, knowing that you have to deal with that for another six, eight, 10 years. If you look at Mr. Money Mustache's shockingly simple math of early retirement, and you look at the graph for yourself, if you start with a 40, 50% savings rate after taxes with a 5% return, it's going to take you 15 to 20 years to retire. That's just the math. So one of our goals with our podcast and with this movement of Catching Up to Fi is to get people to start earlier, obviously 20s and 30s, but for the late starters, by 40 is what I would say. So our avatar, our audience is really 40s and 50s and pushing that age back as far as we can so that they have runway to retire with a balanced life because you can't frugal down to the point that 20s and 30-year-olds can do it. You can frugal down, and we found that comfortable for us was 35 to 50%, living on half an income or living on two-thirds of an income. And that maintained our lifestyle. It was remarkable. All of a sudden, we were saving dramatically more, but our lifestyle did not change. I couldn't believe it. Very illuminating. Becky, it's an interesting idea, right? We make the mental mindset change and we say, okay, maybe it isn't too late. Maybe we can make our financial lives better. But there are all sorts of forces that get in the way of this. Bill was mentioning burnout, which is something doctors experience quite often. Talk about family and friends. Did you find that there were people standing in the way of you making some of these financial decisions or criticizing you because you decided to live differently? Not really. I don't think we got any pushback. Well, I will say this. When we turned things around, as I said before, our children were junior high, high school. And our oldest son sort of looked at what we were doing with when we were going through Dave Ramsey and, you know, cutting up the credit cards. I literally used the grandma's envelope system. <laughs> I I put cash in white envelopes and put them in my purse. I had one, you know, labeled food and labeled, you know, whatever. Um, so they did see that change. And our oldest son kind of looked at us and said, uh, you drank the Kool-Aid. <laughs> he thought we had sort of gone off the deep end, but, um, and, you know, I hate, I hate the pain that our children had to witness with us. And it's something that I wish I could go back and redo, but they watched us, they watched us dig the, dig the hole and do this to ourselves, but they also watched us get out of it. Now, all three of our kids are adults, and they are all have great jobs. They have great families. No one has asked for money. No one has boomeranged back home. And so I just have to 
I have to be confident in the fact that God blessed us and our family and that hopefully he protected the kids from some of the pain they experienced and that that we all walked out the other side in a better place. Maybe a little singed, but we came out in a better place. So our oldest was a little skeptical of what we were doing, but as far as the rest of our family and friends, they saw how much better our life was as we progressed down this spectrum of getting our finances in order. So we did not really have any pushback. Bill, it's a valid point. A lot of us who start having these epiphanies in the 40s and 50s, it's not just us, but often it's our teenage or young adult children who end up being on the sidelines watching everything that's happening to us. How did this all affect your kids? Did you get feedback from them, pushback from them? How did they feel as they were starting to see you and your wife change your lifestyle? We got big time pushback. You know, they were used to a lifestyle that uh, they, as young adults, could not create for themselves. This happens to a lot of doctors and high-income families. They got so tired of hearing it from me, lecture daddy, they called me, about <laughs> money that I had to start the Financial Literacy Project as a place to be a repository for my thoughts, ideas, questions, and information sharing. One of them, interestingly, because we have twins, is a spendthrift. He's kind of succumbed to what we had done, and the recovery has been hard. He's seen what we do. I've encouraged him to live within his means, but that actually has not happened, sadly. Not yet. It will as he makes his mistakes. But the other son is thrifty. He doesn't want for much, oddly enough, because we had had the expensive vacations. And I don't regret those because we accumulated experiences that weren't delayed or deferred. And they got used to that. They can't do what we did. But my other son, he has a very bohemian, frugal life. He's happy. He doesn't need much. And he certainly doesn't ask for anything. The other son will overspend and ask for things. And it's hard as parents to deny them and let them make those mistakes because you think they're going to suffer. Becky, are we being too hard here? Because as, as Bill is talking about some of the things they did spend money on, vacations, things like that, I mean, those are memories. Those are very worthwhile things. Are we maybe being a little too harsh in this idea that you can sometimes spend money. Maybe you are spending more than you should, but that money goes towards important life experiences and adds value to your life. I agree with that. We were the same way. I mean, one of the things that that landed us where we were was spending money. But I don't regret what we spent money on, but we could have done it smarter. We didn't have to buy new cars. We didn't have to to consume the way we did. Um, early in our marriage, we were introduced to sailing and fell in love with it and bought a sailboat. Well, and those are memories that uh, I cherish with our kids. But I didn't have to buy the brand new sailboat that I ordered at the boat show and, and you know, tricked out like you would a car. Uh, we could have done it in a much more frugal manner. So we we did... Uh, create some memories with our kids, but I again, I'm I'm sad that we also created some stress for them along the way. 
I want to respond to Becky's comment because our stories are quite similar in a way. We tricked out a house in 2007, 2008. We renovated it to the nines. We thought it was our forever house. We were quickly upside down in it. Struggled through that in the Great Recession. Luckily, things recovered. And we were able to retain our equity and move to Tennessee where we geo-arbitrage. The other thing that we tricked out was a boat. <laughs> Becky and I have the boat story in common. Uh, we moved to Tennessee. We lived in a boating community. Uh, one of our transitions was to get the new dog, get the used boat, actually. But the funny part of it is we named the boat YOLO. <laughs> <laughs> we had, we had uh, you only lived once our lives. And that was a emblem of what we had done. Uh, eventually, we got rid of the boat. We downsized the house, detricked our lives. and But the memories, just like Becky, we went tubing with the kids and all their friends. And I can't change that. I, I wouldn't give that away for the world. The kids are fond of their high school years because of some of that, what we did. We are talking to Bill Yount. He is an emergency room physician who came to the personal finance world after making all the typical doctor mistakes. And Becky Heptic, who, along with her husband, after finding their marriage in jeopardy, turned it around at the age of 50. They are both the hosts and creators of the Catching Up to Five podcast. We're going to take a short break. I'm Doc G, and this is the Earn and Invest podcast. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position, and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R. USA.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. This episode is proudly sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, if you're like me, you thought at one point in your life that having enough money would solve all of your problems. And guess what? It didn't for me, and it probably isn't for you. But you know what helps quite a bit? Therapy. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It definitely did for me, and when I used BetterHelp, I found that I was learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowered me to be the best version of myself, and it's not for just those people who've experienced major trauma. You might be like me. Maybe you got to the point where financially you were successful and yet you still found that life's problems hadn't been all solved. 
If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash earn today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash E-A-R-N. Let me reintroduce you. We are talking to Bill Yount and Becky Heptic. They are the creators and the co-hosts of the Catching Up to Fi podcast. And we're playing with this idea, if it's ever too late, whether in our finances or our other hopes and dreams. Becky, let's talk about what happens when you come to the point and you say, okay, It feels like it's too late, but I'm ready to change my life. I'm ready to start looking at my finances. What are the first steps? Because I think there are a lot of people who are right on the edge the way you were when you turned 50 or right when Bill kind of realized, oh, something's got to change. How do we begin? I would say that the first place to go is to look at what you have. Look at where you are. What are your assets? What are your liabilities? What do you owe? What do you own? So come up with a net worth statement. And this may be one of the hardest things to do because you may have stuffed the bills in the drawer and not even opened them because you don't want to look at them. You know, you may be behind on your federal income taxes. And and so there may be some things you have to face at this point, but sometimes, not always, but sometimes things actually don't look as bad as you think they do when you write it all down and face it. And then I would say the next place to go is to work through a plan of how you want, either if you're in debt, how you're going to pay off the debt, how you're going to possibly reduce your expenses, maybe increase your income, For me, I had to get on a budget. I know a lot of people don't like budgeting. I had to get on a budget because for me, it's the guardrails. And then start saving money. So the the two big things I would say is find out where you are and figure out how you're going to start saving some money because we hadn't saved anything. Bill, let's talk this out further. I mean, I feel like compounding is your best friend when you're 20 and becomes almost an enemy when you haven't started and you're 50, where do you think we should start? I mean, that's the old question of, should we be saving more or should we just focus on earning more? I couldn't focus on earning more. I had kind of leveled out my income. Fortunately, my wife went back to work full-time about the time we discovered FI and our income because I downsized my income because of burnout. I had to actually probably extend our journey a little bit just to be able to maintain my earnings, and I took about a 20% pay cut. But luckily, it was made up for in part, not in large part, but in part by my wife ramping up her income. So it it ultimately balanced out. And we're a 50-50 household. We share in the income earning. (laughs) We share in the spending, but my wife may be a little bit better at that. At any rate, where we started was increasing the gap. That was the critical because you don't have the time, as you mentioned. You don't have the time to make mistakes, which is one of the fears and risks of starting late. You really got to get it right pretty quickly. Your superpower is your savings rate. That reduces your time to retirement. 
you can't really change compounding. You can't change market volatility. You can ramp up and escalate your path to FI by taking on some more risk, specifically in real estate or starting a small business and adding legs to your stool of income streams. Luckily, we have two income streams. I do not have any real interest in real estate. That's not a business I want to start. And small business, not really for me either. So ramping up my income, given my own fears and anxieties and you know, overcoming a scarcity mindset is a challenge. Not for others, but for me it is. I was about to say, I mean, I want to talk about that further. Bill, how do you not continuously feel like you're falling behind? Because it's it's one thing to kind of make that big momentous decision. Okay, it's not too late and I can start working on this. But we all forget the fact that that's day one. And then you have the weeks, months and years of doing the hard work. How do you not slide back into that? I keep falling behind and I'm not getting anywhere because I know even the most successful of us still feel that. Yeah, the mindset shift is 80%. The math is really 20%. You've got to automate. You've got to change your habits. You've got to persist. It's really exciting in the initial phase of discovering Phi and that rabbit hole and learning all the stuff that you didn't learn. But then you end up in what I call the middle phase of the path to Phi. And that's the hard work. And people have done that in their 30s and 40s. You haven't. Uh, they're in part of the middle phase, especially when you're in our space in the financial literacy arena, is watching people retire because they got it right. And there's sort of a Jones factor of FI. Uh, we succumb to the Jones factor of hedonic treadmill and lifestyle consumption. But then there's a big Jones factor in the middle phase of doing the work. It's very boring. You've just got to do the work. Uh, you've got to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And then you, within, as Becky said, about age 60, I think, they really saw it. They were planning on retiring at 65, if I remember correctly, and they escalated it by two years because of doing the work. Uh, and overcoming your shame and regrets is, for me, a bit of an ongoing process, being of a scarcity mindset. But I've gotten there. I've accepted it, and we've made our plan, and we're working the plan. It's important to have goals, and then you know where your endpoint is, where the finish line to the marathon is. Becky, it's a great question. What is the endpoint? I mean, we've talked about five financial independence. Is financial independence the goal? Is that kind of what you think these late starters should be striving towards? I think that yes, in a way. But, you know, financial independence brings you stability and it brings you peace. And I think that's the that's the bottom line emotionally. Then there's the 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 just the money part of it. You need to to try to create enough for yourself that you can live hopefully a comfortable retirement. Uh, I mean, nobody wants to be on the dog food diet. So I think there's a combination there of of uh, the math of the money and the emotions of being able to know that I'm going to be okay. I may not be as wealthy as I would like to be, but I'm going to be okay. And, and can you get there before financial independence? I mean, because things like stability, I guess the way I'd put it is a lot of people will not be able to get to financial independence or certainly won't be able to get there soon. 
But can you kind of start bringing those type of feelings into your life sooner? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We we brought peace into our lives long before we retired by just knowing that we were finally being smart with our money. And and you know, getting getting smart with our money took some education. We like Bill was saying, we went down the rabbit hole of books, podcasts, blogs. We educated ourselves. And the interesting thing is once we realized what was possible, then it it became exciting and it we were motivated to learn. We wanted to figure out how this worked. And like I said, we started with Dave Ramsey, but there's more information out there to be had than just what Dave Ramsey teaches. That's not the end all. And so we just dug into learning everything we could because we felt like every time we learned a new um, topic or understood a new topic, that that was giving us a little bit more of a supercharger on our money. Bill, is retirement the goal? I mean, I'm thinking there are lots of doctors I know who tried to practice in their 70s and 80s. On the other hand, I hear you both talk about saving for retirement and retirement in general. Is that what we should be striving for? It's a very good question, actually. And I think what you're striving to find out after that initial phase of excitement is balance. You still want to live your life. You want to have experiences. Uh, Money isn't the goal, as I think you've talked about before. Uh, Joy, happiness is the goal. And you can achieve that during your journey. You don't have to defer that part. You don't have to overcompensate. Becky, what do you think would have happened if you didn't come to this conclusion about your finances and change things? Where do you think you would be today if you hadn't made these life changes at the age of 50? I doubt that it's anywhere I would have wanted to be. Um, I'm not sure how long we would have kept rolling down that same road. I've said many times before, I have to learn every lesson the hard way. <laughs> but I, I'm i afraid that we would have just continued until possibly our marriage would have fallen apart. Possibly we would have mounted up uh, lots of student debt for our kids. Um, one of the great things about that whole picture is not only did we get ourselves straightened out, but we were able to put our kids through college without any student loans. They came out debt-free. And part of that is because of scholarships that they received. But it was still a great feeling to do that. We would have we would have both been working for a very long time. We were, for the most part, a one-income family. Stephen worked and I didn't. I stayed home with the kids. And I transitioned from being a stay-at-home mom to being a stay-at-home daughter. I took care of my mom for 20 years. And now that was not a big job or an expensive job. uh, But eventually, as her health declined, then it did turn into uh, quite a time-consuming job. So I was really blessed with the fact that I could take care of the people around me that I needed to take care of and that I didn't have to go back to work. The the answer to your question is probably I would have had to have gone back to work and it would have made our lives even more difficult. Bill, I want to ask you the same question. If you hadn't made these financial choices, the truth of the matter is we all know some very high 
income individuals who find a way to max out their debt and somehow keep things going in a very unhealthy way. I also know that financial independence can be a double-edged sword, right? It can feel really good, but at times it can also feel really bad. Tell me what you think your life would have looked like if you hadn't changed course. Oh, our lifestyle would have diminished drastically. We would have worked longer than I want to. Uh, my dad worked till he was 80. That's part of the boomer generation. He just, because as a physician, you become genetically intertwined with your physician identity. And the challenge is to discover an identity. And for me, that's the creativity of bringing it to the podcast, for example. You've got to transition to retirement. You don't meet a money goal and just stop. That causes depression. I've seen physicians turn to alcohol after that occurred because they completely lost their identity. You've got to not only transition with your money, but you've got to transition with your life. Becky, what would you have done differently now that you know what you'd known and you've lived through this financial transition? How would you have changed things? I would have started saving money in my 20s. <laughs> I, you know, that was the bottom line for me. It was just having a mindset of saving and not just spending everything that we made. We we thought we had to fill our lives with experiences and with stuff in order to be happy. And that's just not true. There's a lot more to life than what you own. And Becky, tell me what you now tell your children. Obviously, you said they kind of saw you go through this. Mm -hmm. But what advice do you give to your children or other young people now based on your experience? To pay attention. That's my mantra is pay attention. That's something we did not do. We just did whatever we wanted to do at the moment without any regard to the future. So uh, take advantage of the 401k or 403b or whatever you have at work. Be sure you get the free money that comes along with investing in retirement accounts. Just have a plan and save some money. Because if you start early, the savings rate doesn't have to be that large. And that's one of the things about starting late. Bill has a great um, a great way of putting it is that we've had to backload the sacrifice. If you front load the sacrifice, the sacrifice isn't as big. You can start early. You can, you can uh, weave it into your life where it's always a part of your life. And then you will be stable when you reach 50 years old instead of in a panic mode like we were. Bill, you mentioned your kids and they kind of both fall on opposite spectrums, right? One tends to be a more of a spendthrift and one is much more careful with how he deals with money. Do you think they've learned from your experience? Like, do they connect with your struggles and do you think it'll affect their behavior in the future? They certainly watched it. They connect with it both. I haven't been able to get them to read the books. One of them has. Uh, he's read the book First Save 10 by one of my friends. And that's the beginning. You just got to get into the habit of saving 10% when you get to your first job. As long as you do that, escalate your savings as you escalate your income and not just escalate your lifestyle as you escalate your income, you're going to be fine. You are absolutely going to be fine. I personally think that a lot of folks should focus on working 
hard early and work 20 years for the money so that they're free with their creative time by 50, 55. Because that's the time, about 20 years I found, at least from my personal experience, was when burnout started to come in. You've mastered your profession. It becomes more of a job. It becomes more of a day-to-day routine. And in my case, you've got to work night shifts and weekends, and the nights get hard. It becomes physically hard to do a stressful job. And there's a lot of stressful jobs out there. So take care of your finances so that at 20 years, you can have a renaissance life, a renaissance career. It's not that we're going to stop working. The retirement police don't come after you, as Mr. Money Mustache says. You can do what you want with your life. You can say you're retired, but you'll have a very creative, uh, free, because you've bought time. And you can do whatever you want and give back. That's the best part. You can give back to society. You can be generous with your time and money. And that's where you want to get. Becky, is there any bright side to this? I mean, are there any ways in which late starters are better off? We actually do have some advantages. And I think that when someone wakes up and realizes where they are, the first thing that happens is regret and fear and shame and lots of negative emotions. But I would like to encourage people that we do have some advantages. As Bill said, he had a, a big shovel, which we did too. When you're in your 40s and 50s, you're probably in your highest earning years. So even though we had been stupid, we were able to fix it a little faster at that point in our lives because my husband's salary was a little bit larger. And as we were talking with one of our guests just the other day, Ms. Late Starter Fire, she made the point of saying, we've been through some life. You know, we've we've had some experiences. We've already walked through some hard things in our life. So we may have the confidence to know that this is going to be hard, but we can do it. And another advantage is you may be at a point where you are an empty nester, paying for the the kids and college and you know the, all the things that come along with kids that may be behind you already. So we may just have a a, a bigger tool to work with, and of course, money is just a tool. And uh, but we may have some advantages that way. Bill, let's transition to talk about the Catching Up to Five podcast. You're really out there talking about getting a late start. Is that a group in which the financial independence content creators have ignored in the past? Absolutely. If you look, if you do a Google search on this, you find that the population of late starters is anywhere from 25 to 40%, and that's starting after 40 it's not insignificant. It's definitely because we hear all the success stories. People start in their 20s, finish by 30, finish by 40. You don't hear the success stories of folks that are late starters. You don't hear the vulnerability of late starters because I think it helps people take their heads out of the sand when they realize my story is not so different. I can do this too. And we just want to be a voice out there that helps people wake up like we did and do the work. Becky, when you first kind of transitioned from Dave Ramsey to more of a financial independence, 
community that you were starting to learn from and consume content in, did you find that there were a lack of people who reflected your experience? Yes. Yes. It, it, at first it felt like, I mean, I still learned a lot, but it felt like the people I was hearing from, as Bill said, were young. Um, you know, we, we have this, uh, stereotype almost in the financial independence community that everybody is a young software engineer. And there's lots of us out there that don't fit that mold. So we, and when when you wake up late like we did, like I said before, you feel all these negative emotions. You don't want to admit that to anyone else, and you may not even want to admit it to yourself. So we're hoping that we can spread the word that you're not alone, that you don't have to to deal with this all by yourself because we've been out here too, and and we want to reach back and and hold those people's hands and and bring them along with us on the journey. Well, Bill and Becky, I wanted to thank you for coming on today. I mean, I hate to say the cliche, but it definitely comes to mind as I think of our conversation, this idea of better late than never. In fact, it seems that it's never too late. There's always a way which we can start improving ourselves and making our financial lives better. And more importantly, if you are in this situation, it hasn't always been easy to find people who create content oriented to those 25 to 40% of people who are those late starters who are starting to learn about finances and financial independence now. And you guys have now created a voice for them with Catching Up to Fi. I wanted to end this episode the way and every episode by asking you what is up next in your life and how people can reach you. Bill, let's start with you. What is coming up next with Bill Yount? And what's the best way to get in contact with you? Well, you can get in touch with us through our Facebook groups. Mine is Financial Literacy Project. I'm in the process of developing the website uh, in pairing with our podcast. We encourage folks to reach out because we want you to tell your story. We want to talk to influencers that can help late starters. We want to talk to late starters with different approaches, different wake-up calls, so that everybody realizes we are a silent majority, or almost a majority, and we need a voice, too, in this community. And Becky, what is coming up next with you, and what is the best way for people to reach out to you? Well, what's up next for me is working on the podcast. This has been a, a, a wild ride so far, but it's been amazing. Uh, we feel like we've really hit a, a portion of the community that's that's not served. We've had a wonderful response from folks about this. And you can contact me either on the Catching Up to Five Facebook page or on the Started at 50 Facebook page or Becky at started at 50.com. Well, the podcast is catching up to Fi Bill Yount and Becky Heptig. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome. Thank you. That's a wrap. Earn and Invest is now part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Visit airwavemedia.com to listen and subscribe to this show as well as other fine podcasts. Hey, everybody. Just another reminder, the Wealth with Purpose Mastermind slash Patreon group 
to support, earn, and invest is starting. Our first meeting is going to be March 30th. To learn more, go to earnandinvest.com slash mastermind. Again, that's earnandinvest.com slash mastermind. Learn about the Wealth With Purpose Mastermind Group, where we're going to talk about the concept of enough, how do we find a life of purpose, and last but not least, what do we do when we are ready to transition out of our jobs into something we like doing more than what we're currently doing in our 9 to 5? Check us out. I'd love for you to be part of the group. Awesome. As you guys know, I keep things going for the after show just to get a little of our conversation. Um, I think it's a really important message. And I think it's a message that, that you guys have really connected to that others haven't. Um, because the majority of us are far from perfect, right? The majority of us didn't do it at 20. Um, the majority of people struggling out there are looking for a voice that they can connect with that feels like them. And I think you're really fulfilling that need, that space. Um, so I think it's really good that you've kind of decided to pick this flag up and run with it. Well, thanks. Uh, you can feel late at any time. You can feel late at 30, 35, 40. We speak a little bit to the true late starters, but the emotions of thinking that you started late are the same. The mechanics of starting late are the same. The advantages are time the earlier you start, but no. I think we speak to a larger audience than even the age-related late starters. And I think it's a common thing even outside of finances. I mean, people have these goals and dreams and they just have seen life slip away from them. And it's really, it's hard to build the courage to say, I'm going to go back and do this thing. And, you know, when you do go back to do this thing, often you surround yourself with younger people who are starting at a better age and you end up thinking, oh, if I had just known to start this thing now. Um, and yet I feel like part of our sense of happiness is to go back and do those things, even if we are dated, right? Um, well, you could, you, sorry, go ahead. No. I I think so. In fact, um, the older I get, the more I make the statement of I'm going to try to never say I'm too old. And because I want to try new things before I reach the point where I can't try new things. I'm 67 years old. But last year, I did. I just made this list of things that that maybe I can do that I've never done before. I snowmobiled for the first time. I surfed for the first time. Mm. I mean, it wasn't pretty, but I did it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I, I'm I'm going to try to to fill my go go years with things that bring me joy, so that when I get to the slow go years, I don't have regrets. Well, you got another hobby, Becky, you should tell folks about because you're one of the more unique retirees I found with regards to a hobby. Well, we do have an interesting hobby. Uh, Stephen and I drive race cars. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So, but that's, you know, that's fun. And and I tell you, one of the things that that has been, I mean, the money problems were a big detriment to our relationship, but something that we have found is a great a uh, positive thing for our relationship is we actually enjoy a lot of the same hobbies. So there's a lot of things we do together and that's been great. 
You know, one of the things I've definitely noticed, and this has to do with finances, but some of those other things which we're often afraid to do because we think we're too late, is we confuse this idea of mastery with proficiency. We certainly do it with money, right? So we start saying things like, well, if we can't get it perfectly or we can't do as well as that 20-year-old who's doing it, then we shouldn't do it at all, which is silly, right? Because most of us don't need mastery. We need reasonable proficiency. You know, good is sometimes better than perfect. Uh, And so I think we give up on a lot of these things and forget that they bring us either joy or we get to a place where we're better than we were, even if we never reach that kind of quote unquote mastery that we all seem to think is what we're supposed to strive for. Well, that speaks to me incredibly because I have been in my life a perfectionist. I didn't want to do it unless I could do it right the first time. And the podcast is completely different. We jumped in, we took action, we took for us pretty big action, and we've had we've stumbled. There's been sound issues, there's been content issues, and we're learning as we go. It's the same with finances. You've got to just get started, jump in, and perfect is the enemy of good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That whole analysis paralysis thing that I know we all struggle with. Not just you, Bill. We all struggle with that. <laughs> but. but you wrote a book. I did. And, um, and I, I mean, I'm just so glad that the mix of things came together that gave me the courage and I had the people surrounding me and all the help I needed, like all the things came together to allow me to do this thing that was very important to me that I kept on telling myself for various reasons, including age that I couldn't do. So, um, yeah, I feel lucky. Well, sure. you just, we, we should talk about the fact that the best thing about the financial literacy movement is the people, I think. You can talk about money till you're blue in the face, but mm-hmm. what you really want to do is meet the people. You want to go to Camp Fives. You want to go to conferences like Economy. Yeah, Economy, I'm really look, which we're all going to be at. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, you, know, you create these virtual relationships through blogging or commentary that migrates to podcasting, migrates to Zoom calls, and then you get to see these people in person. It's just a wonderful experience. Yeah, that's I, right. I, in fact, I Bill and I agree. will, Bill and I will be meeting each other in person for the first time at Economy. Uh, and I've met you both separately, so I'm ahead. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Tech moves fast, so keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. You care about your money. Of course you do. So why aren't you listening to SoFi Daily? This podcast will keep you updated on the latest news in the stock market and how it could impact your financial life. Stay on top of what's happening. Listen to SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts. That's SoFi Daily, wherever you get your podcasts.